Last week, we talked about the imagery of Christmas and all that comes with that imagery uh, and, and how it tells us about the coming of Christ. And, and we spent some time last week in Revelation chapter 12, which is not a typical passage to spend uh, time on in Christmas, uh, looking at the imagery that we see there with the red dragon coming in to devour the child. Uh, and so we made sure not to do that lesson on Family Sunday, so that's as, as graphic as we'll get with uh, the red dragon. But um, there's this child that is being born, and uh, it is taken up into safety to the throne of God, and then this is how it's described in Revelation 12, verse 7. The war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. And so the child is born, the child is taken up to safety, the woman is taken to safety, and war breaks out between Michael and his angels and the dragon or Satan and his angels. And so we have this imagery here of angels and demons at war with one another at the birth of the child. And so this Sunday we're going to continue looking at the imagery of Christmas, but we'll get into something a little bit more traditional and focus in on the imagery of the angels. And thinking about the angels and the role that they play in the story of Christmas. We've got so many, so many decorations, so many things that, that we use to, to uh, give imagery of Christmas, and angels play a part in that. Uh, many of us have an angel at the top of the tree, or, or maybe angel ornaments or figurines or different things that, that have the images of angels and the role that they play in the story. We have nativity scenes with the, the ceramic Jesus, and we have shepherds, and we have the wise men, and of course we have the angels. Uh, our children's program always has the cute little angels in their little costumes with their halos and their wings and, and white. And so this, this imagery of what an angel is uh, is very much a part of our stories. In Revelation, they're not quite the, the cute and cuddly. They are more of the warrior types. I don't think that they were, were as friendly-looking in Revelation. And so what is it that these creatures, these angels, have for us? Throughout Scripture, they, they are messengers. They, they serve God's purposes, and they are, are working for God at delivering his message to the people. And in the Christmas story specifically, we see angels show up into the story frequently as they come in to tell the story, as they come in to be messengers. They come in to Zechariah and Elizabeth. They come in and, and give messages to Mary and Joseph and to the shepherds. We see the angels come in and, and give these messages. And so what do these angels look like? What, what are they? Uh, while, while the red dragon doesn't show up in our Christmas imagery, the angels do. And, and movies and artwork and, and all of, of that give us a certain image of what an angel actually looks like. Uh, and there's all kinds of different interpretations of that. Do a simple Google image search for angels and you will get all extremes of images from the cute and cuddly to the fierce and scary to the just plain bizarre. And you will get such diversity of what we think an angel might look like. And so angels come into the scene and come to the Christmas story as these mysterious figures who often have to start off with, don't be afraid. 
And so, unfortunately, if you really want to define what an angel looks like, you're going to have to look outside of Scripture because Scripture is not going to tell you much of what they look like. And so we don't even know if they have wings, according to what the Bible doesn't say about angels. So they really are these mysterious figures that we really know very little about, but they have a very clear purpose. They come and give a message from God. And they have a very clear message to Mary in Luke chapter 1, a message that says nothing is impossible with God. The angels play this important role in, in, in helping to define what it is that Mary is about to experience, to, to define how she can interpret this experience. And so let's look at Luke chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. So angels have names. A town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a, name, a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word, in, word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And so the angel comes in with this great announcement for Mary and is announcing to her something incredibly special. And so what is it that the angel is announcing, this messenger from God? What is the message from God that we can see here as messages for us as well? And so the first message that we see is, is that the angels announce the miracle of Christmas. There is a miracle that's happening here. The angel goes to Mary and tells her, this, that, that, tells her some pretty incredible news. The angel tells Mary that, that she is going to have a baby. And now this is pretty unbelievable. It's something that is absolutely impossible. And so Mary, knowing her condition and knowing her experience and lack of experience, knows very well that there is no way for her to have a child. But yet, the angel comes in and says, you're going to have a baby. And so this is quite an astonishing announcement. It's something that, that must have blown her mind to be able to think about this even happening. And Mary really isn't even sure how to handle it. She's troubled by it. She asks, how could this be possible? And so she questions the angel, and she, she's agitated and worried and troubled about the whole situation. 
Put yourself in Mary's shoes and think about how you would respond. There is an angel who has come and told you that you're having a baby. This is quite impressive, quite shocking, and quite controversial. But after some further explaining and reassuring by, by the angel, she accepts the good news. As Phil read this morning, we see the song that she sang in verses 46 through 55. That after going through the shock and the trouble of such an announcement, she says, my soul glorifies the Lord. She's the Lord's servant. She will follow what he says to do. She will be obedient and she will embrace the good news. And so Mary and Joseph both had a faith in the message that they were receiving. The angel comes and gives them this message, this miracle that's happening, and they accept this message. They accept the good news of Jesus' birth, and they have a faith in God's plan, a confidence in what he's doing. And their faith is, is strengthened through this experience. And in this faith they find great peace. The angel said, do not be afraid, because there's a lot to fear. Do not be afraid. But there was a miracle from God that was coming that would strengthen their faith. This miracle would build their confidence in what God was doing. And think of all that comes at Christmas time all that, that we're involved in, all that, that is happening around us. And so how much of the time do we spend really thinking about the miracle that is Christmas? Mary has a baby, and that baby is the Son of God. This is not a children's story. This is not something that is, is a fairy tale. This is real. This is a miracle from God. And so one of the difficult things about preaching a, a Christmas series and, and doing a Christmas message year after year after year is you fall into this trap of how do you make it new and fresh? How do we experience this story where it's not just so routine that it loses the amazing nature of what's going on here? We've heard the story of Mary meeting the angel and getting this message and, and this baby being conceived in her and her having this baby, that, that we get this message and it just becomes diluted, that we lose the miracle that is Christmas. In the same way that, that Mary's soul glorifies the Lord in this experience, we should be moved to give praise to God for the miracle of Christmas. Give praise to God for the, the grace, the love, the good news. God is sending his son to dwell among us. And that is a miraculous thing. It's not something that happens in our normal everyday lives. It's not something that happens accidentally. It's something that happens through an act of God. And so don't let the reality of the miracle of Christmas be lost this season. Don't let it lose its impact. Don't let the power erode away. Jesus is the Son of God, and that's what we hold on to at Christmas. In Galatians 4, Paul says, but 
when the set time had fully come, that's this time, Christmas time, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. And so those words, God sent his son, born of a woman, born of Mary, Remember the miracle of that as we celebrate this Christmas. Do we consider the real miracle of Christmas? The, the angels announce this miracle. They, they say that, that, that God is sending his son. And the miracle of Christ and the miracle of salvation to all humankind is a part of that. And so we rejoice. We take great joy. Do not be afraid. For the miracle of Christmas is here. But with the miracle, the angels are also announcing the mystery of Christmas. There's this great mystery that's going on because how is this possible? Mary says it very well. How is this possible? Because it's impossible. There's this mystery as to, to how this can even happen. And so the angels announcing to Mary the, the miracle of Jesus. But, she's also, but the angel is also describing to her, to Mary, who Jesus will be, which is another part of this mystery. Because who is this baby? We know his name. His name will be Jesus. God pulls back the curtain for us to see what's going on here as the, the entire spotlight comes and focuses in on Christ. This baby is not just any baby. This is not an ordinary baby. This miracle child is going to be the son of God. He's going to reign over a kingdom that will be uh, reigned over a kingdom and he will be called Jesus. And so there's this message of salvation here. There's a miracle that is happening not just in in a baby actually being conceived within Mary, but the miracle of what this baby will become. And who this baby will be. He will be great with power, but it's a different kind of power. He will have a kingdom, but it will be a different kind of kingdom. He will reign over a kingdom of faith and hope and love. And Mary simply asks, how can this be? And so the angel answers the mystery of this miracle. How does this happen? It will be with the Holy Spirit. That's how it's possible. The Holy Spirit will bring the power from God to achieve this great thing. And so even though the angel answers, and we know what this answer is, and we have the benefit of reading the whole story so it makes more sense to us, Mary is sitting there with still this mystery of what's going on. Yes, we have answers, but it's still confusing. How does this happen? How does the Holy Spirit come in? And and how does this baby come to save us? And so there's a mystery in it. And I guess that's what makes it a miracle, right? Because we can't explain it. It doesn't make any sense. There's no scientific answer as to how this can happen. And so there's a mystery in the miracle that happens here. And so we forget the significance of such a promise because of the familiarity of this mystery. When you watch a a movie for the first time that is one of those suspenseful movies with lots of plot twists, you watch it through the for, for the first time and you're on the edge of your seat waiting to see what happens. 
But then the second time you watch that movie, you know what's going to happen, right? And so you're not quite as much on the edge of your seats. And then you watch it through a third time, and now you're just falling asleep by the end of it. Because there's absolutely no suspense in the story. The mystery is gone to it. And so Christmas, we have a way of, of falling asleep at the end of the story. Because it's become so familiar with us that we've lost the mystery of it. But the mystery is still there, right? None of us can explain the virgin birth any better now than we could last year, or the year before that, or the year before that. It still makes no sense to us. And so the mystery is still there. And so to really appreciate Christmas, to appreciate the power of God descending on Mary through the Holy Spirit and the Son of God being conceived and and living among us, to really appreciate that story, we have to reimagine with great awe, with great, great reverence, what comes in the mystery of Christmas. The angels make an announcement, and it's full of mystery. The virgin birth is a mystery. The work of the Holy Spirit and the incarnation of Jesus is a mystery. And we need to embrace that mystery. Remembering the mystery of Christmas keeps us occupied. It keeps us intrigued. It keeps us drawn to the Christ of Christmas. And understanding the mystery that is Jesus compels us to share that mystery with others. That we want to share that story because it is so incredible. So awe-inspiring. Paul was compelled by this. He, he describes his calling in this way in Colossians chapter 2. The, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Everything, all the wisdom, all the knowledge is hidden in the mystery of Christ. And Paul's mission is to share that with as many people as possible. He's compelled by that mystery to have others engage in the mystery that is Jesus. And so don't get caught this Christmas season racing through the season, losing a sense of mystery of Christ. We need to wrap our hearts and wrap our minds in the mystery. And so do we hold the coming of Christ as we we get closer and closer to to December 25th? do Do we hold the coming of Christ as reverent as we should? Do we stand in awe of the mystery that is the birth of Jesus? Our God is an awesome God. He's brought this miracle of salvation to us and this mysterious message of hope through the gift of his Son. And so we embrace that this season. But there's another message that the angels have as well. The angels state the majesty of Christmas. And this one is buried in a little bit further into the story that we overlook sometimes. In verse 36, it said, Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. So Mary, you're going to have a child, but even Elizabeth, even in her old age, impossible for her to have a child, even her, she's going to have a child as well. And she who who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. There's already evidence that she's having a child. 
For no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. And so this is this, is this message from the angels that, that, that says there is this great majesty, there is this great power that comes at Christmas. So if the virgin birth and the coming of Christ isn't enough of a miracle, Elizabeth is having a child as well, even Elizabeth. And so it's impossible at her age to have a baby. But, but the word of God is one that can overcome any impossible situation. What God says is true and what, what he can do is over all situations in life. The power that he has over any impossible situation is beyond our comprehension. And so the message to both Elizabeth and Mary is this, nothing is impossible with God. It doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter your situation, his plan will come to fulfillment. It doesn't matter how impossible the situation we find in front of ourselves. And so when we lose the miracle and the mystery of Christmas, we also lose a sense of majesty and power of God. That, that he is incredibly powerful and, and, and for us to be able to celebrate the miracle and the mystery of Jesus means that we embrace the power of God, knowing that he can do all things. Christmas teaches us that God can do anything. He can overcome any impossible situation. And the majesty of God is displayed through Christ. That we see in Jesus the majesty and the power of God. Hebrews 1.3 tells us the sun is the radiance of God's glory. The sun comes and he's the radiance of God's glory. And the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And so we see the majesty of God, the glory of God, the power of God is revealed through the Christ of Christmas. And so that challenges our faith. Do we really believe in the miracle? Do we really embrace the mystery? Or are they just children's stories that we read every Christmas? Is it just something that we see in a nativity scene or some Hallmark movie special? Or do we really believe these things? The majesty of Christmas, it builds our faith, it encourages us, it, it, it strengthens us, and it gives us a spirit of hope. A spirit that is not, uh, uh, not just about positive thinking or it's more than just a good attitude. It's about a hope that is rooted in Christ's birth, in his death, in his resurrection, in his life. And that's what we embrace. Knowing the majesty of God at Christmas allows us to, to respond to life's pain it allows us to respond to life's pressure and struggle and anxiety and, and fear. And we come at it with the spirit of the angels that says nothing is impossible with God. And so too often we pride ourselves on being busy and cramming as much into our schedules as possible. It's this badge of honor that says I'm busy Look at how important I am because how much is on my schedule. And especially at Christmas time, we get sucked into this. The busyness of, of parties and performances and shopping and events and crafts and way too much Pinterest. We get sucked into those things. 
thinking about the next thing to one-up somebody else in our Christmas decoration or our Christmas giving or the lights on our house or the presents under the tree. We get consumed by that. And it becomes this exhausting whirlwind of parties. And we forget what we're celebrating. It's good for us to pause. It's good for us to reflect. It's good for us to to hear God's message announced fresh to us. The message of Christmas. Christ the Savior has come. Hear the announcement of the miracle, the mystery, the majesty that is Christ. Let's stand together. We're going to spend some time singing together. We're going we're gonna to repeat the song, Crown Him, that we sang earlier. And uh, it, it's an opportunity for us to, to celebrate the miracle and the majesty that is Christ at Christmas. For us to confess who He is. This is a time for us to celebrate, a time for us to worship. It's also a time for us to pray with one another. Because we get distracted by the life that's around us. We get sucked into the pain and the anxiety and the discouragement and the brokenness that is the reality around us. And we need to be lifting one another up in prayer through those times. That we can encourage one another and we can lift one another up and we can remind one another of the Jesus that we celebrate together even in the midst of the seemingly impossible situations we find ourselves in. So we'll have shepherds down front. You can come and pray with one of them. You can pray with one another. You can go across the room and pray with somebody that you know needs encouragement this season. Go and go to them and say, how can I pray for you? And encourage them as we celebrate the Christ together. Let's pray. God, we thank you for for your love. We thank you for the miracle that is your Son, and for sending him here for us. God, this Christmas, help us to focus in on the miracle and the mystery and the the majesty that is your Son. We thank you for him. It's in his name we pray. Amen.